You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, budgets. But before we dive into that juicy topic, let's catch up on life lately. What is new with you? I have leveled up in parenting. Mm. I am now bribing my child to nap (laughs) with episodes of Daniel Tiger. Tell me how that's working for you. So Plum is resistant to napping because she has FOMO, super strong. So she just wants to stay up and play. Mm -hmm. But when she does not nap, instead of her normal 7.30 p.m. to 7-ish a.m. night sleeping, she can go to sleep at 6.30 and not wake up till 8.15. Mm-hmm. So she clearly is missing that hour and a half or so of sleep right in there. <laughs> and it's really hard because her preschool starts at 8.30, so we can't get her up at 8.15 yes. on days that she hasn't napped. And so then mm-hmm. the morning is a disaster. <laughs> and if she sleeps late, she's probably not tired at the same time either. In that, you know, it's a cycle yes, that it's a builds vicious on cycle yes but i realized maybe at the beginning of the year that if i tell her that she can watch one episode of daniel tiger we're talking 25 minutes here Mm -hmm. after she rests then she'll rest she'll lay down she'll suck her thumb she'll close her eyes and she's asleep within 10 minutes which suggests she still needs to Mm -hmm. and so now she's gotten to the point where she says if I rest, I can watch a DT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's ingrained. It's working. We're going to roll with it as long as possible. Yeah. I don't even know if you need to call that bribing. I think you can just say you've established a new routine that's working for you. <laughs> I'm the queen of routines, as we found out in our last episode. Exactly. Oh, What's new with you, Sarah? I want to talk about an aspect of organization that... I have achieved. I have some goals in the new year of how I'm going to get my life together in these different ways, some of which are more challenging than others, like organizing my photos. Hopefully, I'll have an update about that in, I don't know, eight months. (laughs) (laughs) Reporting success. But I can report success today about using a password manager. Nice. I have always found it so frustrating. I can never remember all the passwords that we have. Basically, anytime I want to log into any account, I just have to reset the password, (laughs) (laughs) which sort of worked, but was also pretty annoying. So I did some research about password managers. I found one. I'm using LastPass, and it's amazing. It worked great. I spent one whole morning going through all our accounts, resetting the passwords, <laughs> but having them logged into LastPass. So the way it works is you only have to have one master password, and then you log into that, and then it has all the other sites that you go to. And you can launch from there, or if you just go to that site, it gives you the option of using the password from LastPass. Nice. And it also generates secure passwords for you. So now mm. I also feel like my security level is higher because before I was using many similar passwords oh. or variations oh, of the same. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so every time I log in now, I'm just giving myself a little pat on the back for making that happen and making my life a little bit easier. This is awesome. Do you have to pay? There's a paid version. I got the 30-day trial of the premium version, and it mm-hmm. just ran out. But everything I need, which is just for it to keep my passwords for me, you get on the free version too. Oh, great. 
let's move into what we've been reading. What is your latest read, Abby? I recently read The Cactus by Sarah Haywood, and I found this book through a Facebook group where someone had compared it to Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Mm. And it does have a similar kind of vibe. So the main character, Susan, is British. She may be neurotypical, but she may just be socially awkward, which is sort of the question that you have about Eleanor throughout Mm -hmm. that book. And the whole plot of the novel is a look into her life and her relationships after her mom dies. Okay. I loved the characters. I loved that there was a happy ending. And I also really loved the part of the book where she's pregnant. And I never thought about reading a novel about a pregnant person while I myself am pregnant and how much I would enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But it was just really lovely to read a novel with a pregnant person where there was a happy ending. (laughs) Yes. That seems like a key component of the happy ending that being a win yes yes totally (laughs) i would recommend this book it is not stunningly beautiful but it does have some depth and it is a solid read for sure what have you been reading sarah i just read the wedding date by jasmine gilroy this is one that i found on goodreads i was looking at the best romance novels for 2018 and then put a bunch on hold over the winter break because (laughs) i was just in the mood for that And this one was actually recommended by Roxanne Gay. And I thought, if Roxanne Gay loves this romance novel, maybe I will too. Yeah, good sign. (laughs) It uses the fake relationship to real relationship trope. Drew and Alexa get stuck on an elevator together. And in the course of that, she agrees to pretend to be his girlfriend at a wedding that weekend. (laughs) Sure, you can imagine the basic rest of the plot. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that it featured an interracial couple. Alexa is black and Drew is white. I love that they both had really strong careers and were relatively happy with their lives before meeting one another. It wasn't this, I feel broken. Please fix me. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I loved that it talked about Eurocentric beauty standards and the ways in which that is complicated for people that don't fit into that and what Mm. that looks like in a relationship and within one's own self. On a lighter note, I also loved how much food they ate and how much they enjoyed it. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that in books as well. It was cheesy, but it was the right kind of cheese and had enough depth to it and characters that I really enjoyed that made for the kind of romance novel I love. Nice. I would recommend it if you're looking for something light and fun to read this winter. It's already on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Our main segment for today is about budgeting. We did an episode back in the fall of 2017 all about finances, so we'll link to that in the show notes, but we really wanted to dive into the specifics of budgeting in this one and thought it would be a great topic for the new year since that's often a time where people are reevaluating and assessing their finances and their goals in this area. What would you say your approach to budgeting is? So on a yearly basis... We try to look at the year as a whole and plan for expenses that we know will come up month by month. Mm -hmm. And then we divide those total expenses into a monthly allocation so that we can save that. And do you specifically put that into a savings account with that label on it? Or do you just know that some money in your account is earmarked for some future purpose? 
we have a separate savings account so that it's earning a little more interest than it would be if it was just sitting in our checking. And so that as things come up, we can very easily transfer money from that savings account to the checking to pay them. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the yearly view of budgeting for expenses. And then on a monthly basis, what we do is pay ourselves first. So do all of our savings like IRA contributions, this sort of yearly type savings. If we have other savings, like right now we're saving for freelance maternity leave. So we have another separate fund that we're putting Mm -hmm. stuff in for that. So we do that first. That comes out right after basically Andrew gets paid at the end of the month. Okay. And then throughout the rest of the month, we have an idea of how much we generally spend in recurring categories, you know, groceries, stuff for plum, stuff for the pets, etc. So we pay attention to where we are with that, but we do not restrict ourselves even when we're going over what we usually expend because Mm -hmm. some months you just have more vet bills or you need to buy the giant toilet paper that puts you over on your household (laughs) items or whatever. So we're not as strict as we would be if we were doing cash envelopes, for instance. Right. But we do keep an eye on that on a daily to weekly to monthly basis. Mm -hmm. How does your overarching approach to budgeting look? We also do some big picture thinking about what can be taken out of Neil's paycheck in advance and Mm. how much we want to have taken out of that. So we are just seeing less of the money and trying to keep what actually goes into our checking account about what we need from month to month with a little extra cushion. We don't have specific budgets for different categories. We have never found that's really worked for us. What has worked for us is just trying to spend as little money as possible. And if we're doing (laughs) that then we know we're living beneath our means. That's been easier to do as our income has increased over the last decade than it was to do when we were grad students. (laughs) Understandable. (laughs) I definitely appreciate that that's a luxury to not have it be a problem if we happen to be over in a category one month and just knowing that that's all really going to come out in the wash. Definitely. In the past, I have wanted to have more strict budgets because I like the idea of having it be neat and tidy and categorized, and that has never worked. I think, one, because finances are messy and things do change from month to month, and you can make these plans, but you can't always stick to it because you don't know what's going to be happening in the future. Right. And also because Neil hates the idea, so... (laughs) It's never been something that we could do together. He just wants to spend not very much money and then not feel bad when he does spend it. So that's our philosophy. But what does it look like in practice in terms of actual apps or spreadsheets or meetings that you have to work out the budget with your partner? I think I mentioned this on the finances episode, but we do have a family budget spreadsheet that is a Google Doc where we keep track of what we're spending in all of the categories. I keep that updated with all of our credit card purchases, expected income, and the current balance of our checking account, because often I'll schedule things like credit card bills to be paid on the day they're due, but then that money doesn't come out. And so if you just looked online at the checking account, it would look like there was more in there. So I have the actual Mm -hmm. balance on this spreadsheet. Mm. So alongside that, Andrew does big picture stuff in Personal Capital, which is an app. Mm -hmm. And then updates that sheet in the family spreadsheet with things like assets and savings. 
maintenance of the spreadsheet is at least weekly. And lately it has been much more casual. When we are in debt pay down mode toward the end of last year, check-ins were much more frequent, much less casual, and sometimes <laughs> intense. <laughs> what is the day-to-day practice of your budgeting look like, Sarah? I track everything that we spend in the Home Budget app, Mm. which is one that I heard about from the folks that run our freaking budget. Mm. I don't think their blog is very active anymore, but back when I was getting into personal finance, it really was. I put every dollar that we spend in there so that I can see at a glance how that month is comparing to past months and in different categories. I most closely follow what we're spending in groceries and household because that's what seems to vary the most. A lot of Mm. our other expenses are just fixed for childcare, mortgage, insurance, et cetera. I like how it lets me have my finger on the pulse of our finances. And that is similar for the big picture, which we also use personal capital. And I like seeing that for having a picture of our net worth and how our assets are changing over time and Mm -hmm. being able to see the graphs that they produce for that. But I have never found it effective to use that for the tracking the way that I think some people do of the day-to-day expenses. Mm -hmm. And I know that Andrew does do some tracking in personal capital. You know, when a Mm -hmm. charge from the credit card comes in, he puts it in a category. Mm -hmm. But it was too much to try and manage that and the budget spreadsheet that we already had going. So we are just sticking with our tried and true kind of clunky shared spreadsheet. (laughs) Yeah, although hearing you talk about it, it's making me wish that we had a spreadsheet because there's these things that don't work as well when you're doing the comparisons in the format that the app provides. So Mm. for example, we had some really big healthcare bills that we had to pay this month. Oh, sure. So it makes it look like we're really over budget. But really, we're having a completely normal, if anything, a less spending month than usual. And I think in a spreadsheet, I could separate out those kind of expenses to be, okay, here's where we are for our healthcare spending for the year. And the same for home projects for the year. But then those things that repeat, having that separate so that I could make easier comparisons. Yeah. I think anything that divides it into a monthly budget is always going to have those kind of things where it's like, Mm -hmm. of course, you're going to spend more on your car the month you get your new tires. Or of course, you'll buy more gas when you drive 500 miles to see your family or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Just do the best you can. Exactly. And Neil doesn't check in on either the home budget app or personal capital, partly because he doesn't have a smartphone and partly because he's not really interested in the minutia of our finances. Mm. He wants to know that we're living beneath our means. He wants to know that we're putting money into savings. And we have these big picture discussions, not on a regular schedule, but fairly frequently about Mm -hmm. where we are and where we're going. But he doesn't find it endlessly fascinating (laughs) and uh, helpful to track the way that I do. Fair enough. What would you say is your family's approach to prioritizing the different aspects of your budget? I think this is one of those questions that comes up a lot. If you're in debt, do you prioritize paying down the debt or do you prioritize retirement? You know, if you're saving, what aspects of saving are you caring about at the moment and what are you thinking of that you'll do in the future? How have you and Andrew navigated that? So while we were paying off debt, that was our priority. We put most of our extra money, you can call it that, most of the money (laughs) that was not dedicated to sort of the monthly living expenses Mm -hmm. went into paying off debt. Our savings were small. We were still saving a little bit monthly just because saving a little bit over a long time is better. (laughs) 
than saving nothing at all. Right. But it was not very big. Our savings were small. And because it was important to us psychologically to have the debt paid off, Mm -hmm. even though I think financially it might have been smarter to balance Mm -hmm. it out a little better, Mm -hmm. because we weren't paying high interest debt, the debt that we were paying off was either zero interest credit cards Mm -hmm. or student loans, which also had low interest. Right. But psychologically and emotionally, it was really important to us to not be in debt. And so we did prioritize large chunks of debt repayment. And since we are no longer doing that, we're out of debt now. Yay. Our savings have grown. So we've been able to shift that money that we are paying now into savings. And so savings come out either before taxes. In the case of Andrew's paycheck, it's easy. But I don't have that option as a freelancer. Mm -hmm. But we do contribute to retirement for both of us and savings accounts for both Plum and this future kid right after we get paid, as well as savings categories that shift around. So if we know we have a trip coming up, we'll save for that. If we, for instance, I said earlier, we're doing freelance maternity leave savings right now, we're prioritizing that. But mostly it's automated in that it's already scheduled to come out on Mm -hmm. the second or third of the month once we know that our money will be in there. What does that look like for y'all? I mentioned earlier, we try and have a lot of money taken out of Neil's paycheck so that we just don't see it. And as his income has increased, we've tried to also increase what's taken out as opposed Mm -hmm. to what we see. If I see that there's extra money in our checking account at the end of any month, we'll just move that over into savings or into our IRAs. Mm -hmm. And we try not to see it as extra money to spend. But I also think there's the downside that I have trouble prioritizing spending when we need to and that it feels Mm. more painful than I think it should be. Interesting. Because we so value savings that I actually think we'd be a little healthier financially if there was more balance between the two. One thing that people talk about in personal finance is the idea of lifestyle creep and that as you make more money, your spending can also start to creep up. Mm-hmm. Have you found that to be true for you and Andrew as you've become more financially secure? Yes, definitely. <laughs> In some areas more than others. One thing that I am surprised has not crept up as much is eating and going out. Hmm. My big one on this is that I really like to shop and buying things makes me feel good. I don't have that same pull toward, Mm. should I be saving this that you seem to? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I have a big treat yourself mentality. (laughs) And if there is quote unquote extra money, I have no problem spending it on material things. Often they're things that I've wanted for a long time Mm -hmm. or a nicer version of something we already have that I can then pass along. What helps with that is having the savings automated and prioritized. Mm -hmm. and also having a big goal. So the freelance maternity leave is our big goal right now, which is something that feels more important to me than having nice things. (laughs) But I really have to find something like that in order to avoid that sort of justification of the lifestyle creeping up. Mm -hmm. I have noticed in the last year that there has been more lifestyle creep than I think there has been in the past. And Mm. This kind of goes against what I was saying, that we so prioritize saving that we can't spend money. So I guess there are areas where we are (laughs) willing to spend more. I think I notice it just in my mindset that before I'd be at the grocery store and if something cost $5, it was, oh my gosh, that's so much. Do we really need this? And I'd stand in the aisle and hem and haw and debate whether I needed it or not and end up putting it back. And now I would just grab it and 
not put so much mental energy into it, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I was talking with Neil about this idea of how we have been spending more than in past years. And then Mm -hmm. he told me, sometimes you have to spend money to save money, (laughs) which I think is funny coming from Neil. That's not even how that saying goes, right? Isn't it sometimes you have to spend money to make money? I think that is true. I think for him, so the example that he was referring to is we were spending a lot of money on biking. And so he wanted to get really nice winter mittens so that his hands weren't cold in January. Mm -hmm. And I bought bar mitts for the same purpose. And these are things we could have bought in past years. And I think we just did without. We just had cold hands a lot. Mm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So part of me feels like, well, did we really need to spend it because we hadn't needed to spend it in the past that we had gotten along, but we were uncomfortably getting along. It's not that there was no difference in your life before the spending and after the spending, mm-hmm. that it's improving our lives to spend a little bit of money. And for him, it's like, well, we're spending this money on things to make biking nicer and easier, but that means we're not buying a car. So right. we're saving money by not having this really big expense, but then there are these little expenses that come with it. I think that was his thought process. Hmm. The lifestyle creep is definitely there. I think it is improving our lives because there aren't a lot of purchases that I look back on and regret or think that it was something we didn't need. Mm -hmm. But I also think, isn't that everyone's justification for spending more money? That, oh, but we really needed it, or it's really helpful, or I, I think there's any number of ways you can justify things. Yes, there are. I think our justifications are valid. The fact that we have so many more justifications or are justifying so many more things, I think is still evidence of that creep. For sure. Some of the biggest ticket items in people's budgets are housing, transportation, and food. Let's go through each of those areas and talk about how we approach budgeting in those categories. What about housing? For us as longtime renters, this is a fairly stable expense, which is one of the things that I love most about renting. Mm Mm-hmm. I also love living in a town that's pretty affordable. As we're thinking about our future, we are thinking about potentially moving elsewhere. And Mm -hmm. this is an expense that regardless of whether we're renting or owning is going to probably increase if we leave where we are now. Mm. I love that we don't have to worry about repairs. I love that our costs are consistent. Before Plum was born, we downsized, which has also helped us keep the costs low. And at this point, we prioritize renting and living in a smaller place so that we can be geographically where we want to be and so that we can keep the cost low. We are currently in the midst of lots of conversations about our housing right now. We bought our house at a relatively good price for our area and at an amazing interest rate, which Mm. makes it feel really hard to give up. But it's not the perfect location. We've been trying to weigh What's the importance of living in the ideal location versus just accepting where we are and that it's a great place and that we have a good deal right now? Mm -hmm. And it feels like some of our values are in conflict with one another then of wanting to be as financially responsible as possible. And the financially responsible thing seems to be to stay. But then we also really value location and simplifying our lives in other ways. Mm. That is an ongoing conversation and probably will be forever, (laughs) (laughs) or at least until I am ready to really commit to where we are now. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm still in this place where I like it and I'm happy, but I'm one foot in, one foot out. And I think Mm -hmm. as long as I'm feeling that way, I'll forever be looking at listings and whether 
we could further optimize our housing versus just embracing where we are. Yeah. Which may be the better course of action. I actually hadn't even really considered that it's a possibility that I could just say, I'm going to make the best of what we have now. Or could you follow Neil's line and spend money to save money? So do things in your house now that cost some money, but Mm -hmm. that make it a more ideal place for you to be. Right. Lots to consider. It is. And with housing, I also have trouble spending money on home improvements if we're not going to sell our house. Because Mm. to me, I see it an investment that I want to get my return on. So if I'm going to stay in my house forever, well, I don't really care what my kitchen looks like. Why would I fix my kitchen? (laughs) (laughs) But if I'm going to sell it and I could sell it for more money, then I want to do it. So I also would really have to rethink home spending if we were committing to be here for a long time. Interesting. What about transportation? Having an old car and seldom driving keeps costs low here. The buses in Chapel Hill and Carborough are free. Mm, Love that. And we walk most places, so our transportation costs are very low. Ours are similar. Not owning a car has saved us thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It'll be 10 years this fall, and I really credit that as being the reason why we could save money when HP was born and why we could live on one income at that time. Mm. I don't see that changing at any point unless we become unable to walk and bike where we need to go. Nice. Lastly, our favorite, food. Food is definitely our most splurgy category. Mm -hmm. As I said, we don't eat out that much. I'm actually surprised by how little we eat out, given how much I like eating out. (laughs) Same. Yes. (laughs) I think there is something about the hassle of eating out with a kid that has dialed that back, (laughs) you know, even since Flem was born. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's only going to get worse with having two kids to manage. Mm Mm-hmm. But I do buy a lot of food in multiple grocery stores, and it's usually not cheap food. I second everything you said. I'm also surprised by the fact that we've been eating out less, but I think it is the kid factor. Getting to a restaurant and sitting down feels like so much more hassle than making egg sandwiches at our house. 100%. (laughs) Especially when you're making egg sandwiches with the expensive cheese you bought that you love, (laughs) which is what we do at my house. Yes. It's the one area where I always feel like we should be spending less and where if we're going to buckle down on a budget, it's the area I focus on. But I think that's because it's one of the areas where there is potentially some give, where our mortgage isn't going to change. Our childcare could change, but we don't have a desire for it to change at the moment. And so it feels like the area we can focus on, but then it's never successful because I really like to eat the food that I like and don't want to deprive myself in that area. Same. Do you have any budgeting tips or tricks that have worked for you to share with our listeners? My top tip is to have a goal. Hmm. This is something that I learned when I did the Frugal Woods Frugal Month. And I think that I knew it, sort of. But having her explicitly say, you have to have a goal or else the budgeting won't work, I was like, ah, yes. That's why I'm total garbage at budgeting without (laughs) a goal. And the shorter term, the goal, the better it is for me. Okay. I'm much more likely to believe that I deserve something right now and want to treat myself right now Mm -hmm. if a goal is further away or something I don't actually care about. Mm. So debt pay down, awesome. Super immediate. We could see quick progress. Mm -hmm. Freelance maternity leave, awesome. 
You can see progress of the savings growing. You can calculate how much you need based on how little you want to work while you have a newborn. Mm -hmm. And that is immediate and awesome. I'm not sure what it's going to look like after that. Mm. I need to do some thinking about that probably so that I don't totally go off the rails, especially since I anticipate having a newborn and a three-year-old to be somewhat challenging, which is when I get Mm -hmm. more in the treat myself mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good to think through that then. Yeah. I'll also say that it is much harder for me to care about budgeting if I'm flying solo. For instance, when Andrew was less involved in our finances than he is now, I had a lot harder time being accountable to my own ideas about what budget I should be. And I think I also was not great at sort of finding these immediate goals. Mm -hmm. But having him in line has definitely helped with that. Yeah. What are your tips or tricks? I think what has worked for me and Neil is to talk about everything we spend money on. Mm. We don't have any allowances or money where you can just spend it without checking in with the other person. Yeah. And I think that sounds really restrictive and like we would be controlling over one another. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel like that. To me, it feels like using one another as sounding boards Mm. and thinking about, is that something we really need? Is there another way to meet the same need, either by making something or finding it used or doing without or just being more creative Mm -hmm. than let me go on Amazon and order something (laughs) because I've decided that I need it. And it doesn't feel judgmental. Yeah, and that way it sounds almost like it's a values conversation rather than a financial yes. conversation, which I think is a really helpful reframe, especially mm-hmm. in partnerships where money is a trigger, which I know it can be for a lot of people. It has been for us mm-hmm. recently. <laughs> but it's nice to have the underlying thing that you're talking about be your values as a family, mm-hmm. and the money is just part of that. Exactly. Those are our tips, but what about our budgeting fails or the parts of budgeting that really don't work for us? I've said this several times, but treating myself, Mm -hmm. I have this mentality, especially when I feel not great, either emotionally sad or when I felt really sick when I was early pregnant, where I was like, I just deserve all these nice things. Mm -hmm. So I bought them. And I don't have regrets, but I don't think that it was budget ideal. Fair. I feel like I treat myself with food. That Mm. is when I will eat out, is when I'm feeling sad or feel like my life is hard, that I just deserve some Indian buffet and I'll go get it. (laughs) Oh, I do that too. For me, it's Rubens at our favorite local deli, but same, same. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think the part of budgeting that really doesn't work for me is just what I've said, that it's harder to spend money than it should be because Mm. it feels really, really painful for me to let money go and... I don't think that's healthy. I think there's a better balance to be found. One thing that's helped me with that is being really intentional about our charitable giving. Mm. And I think that helps flex that muscle of letting money go can be part of our values. Right. And giving money away to organizations that matter to us, I think, has also helped me loosen my grip in that way so that when Mm. we have the big healthcare bill that is annoying and frustrating, but also necessary to just accept that and feel gratitude that we're able to pay it as opposed Mm -hmm. to resentment and frustration that that wasn't part of my budgeting plan. I love the idea of charitable giving as flexing a muscle, Mm -hmm. a financial muscle, because I do think that it's an important distinction between is this values-based spending and is this not? And in the case of charity, it really is. But in the case of me treating myself, it really isn't. 
And so I like the idea of drawing that distinction in your mind. Always room for growth. Let's end this conversation by sharing any specific budgeting or financial goals we have for 2019. I've mentioned today my freelance maternity leave. That's the big, most immediate goal. Mm -hmm. I also think I mentioned in our New Year's episode that we have a possible move on the horizon. Yes. We may or may not be getting kicked out of our house. (laughs) (laughs) Who's to say? Who knows? (laughs) And then there are also possible job changes on the horizon, both for Mm. me and for Andrew. And a lot of that is still big fat question mark in my life. Right. But we are budgeting and I think trying to be a little more conservative than we might be with our spending because Mm. there is so much that is unsure right now. Sounds smart. What are your budgeting or financial goals for the upcoming year? I would really like to be contributing to our income this year. I've been the primary parent at home and have not been contributing financially and I would love to have that change either through part-time work outside the home or by finding ways to turn my creative work into paid work. Nice. That wraps up our discussion about budgeting. We would love to hear any budgeting tips or tricks you have, what parts of budgeting you love, and which parts just don't work for you. Let's end by sharing something that we've been eating lately. Listeners, be prepared for lots of recipes from the Budget Bites website. (laughs) In the new year, I decided I wanted to mix up some of the recipes that we do, and I have been trying many of them. Nice. The first one I'll share is dragon noodles. I made this for lunch because it's very spicy, and I knew Mm. no one in my family besides me would eat it. (laughs) The sauce is one part soy sauce, one part brown sugar, one part garlic chili paste that you can Mm -hmm. get in the little jar, Mm -hmm. and then adding that sauce to cooked noodles of your choice and vegetables. I think the actual recipe I'm going to link to just had peanuts and pork and the noodles and Mm -hmm. suggested ramen noodles. I used some soba noodles that we had in the cabinet. Nice. And did vegetables as opposed to meat. So I think I had shredded carrot, green onions, chopped up peppers. I liked that it was really good warm, but then also really good cold the next day, which is great for lunches. And I liked having something that felt a little bit like getting takeout, but wasn't. Totally. Is there a way that you can make it not so spicy? I think it would just be adding less of the garlic chili paste and having it be more of the soy sauce sugar part Hmm. would be my guess. It was even quite spicy for me, and I like spicy food. My mouth was a little bit on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. What have you been eating? I wanted to give a homemade yogurt update. Mm. We've been making homemade yogurt for years at this point. We've been talking about on the podcast for at least that long. Mm -hmm. But I recently tried a new starter because our co-op got the Cabot Greek yogurt. Okay. So Cabot, I think, is a dairy somewhere in the Northeast, maybe Vermont, but it's a cooperative Mm -hmm. dairy. And I like supporting co-ops because they're employee-owned And their cheese and butter and yogurt as well are delicious. Their white cheese is so good. White cheddar cheese. So good. And they have a big variety of sharpness in their cheddars. They have Mm. a lot of cheddars that you can get. And I like them all. (laughs) But this Greek yogurt is basically the yummiest, creamiest Greek yogurt that I have ever had. Mm. It was amazing just eating it out of the tub that it came in. Mm -hmm. But then I made our own in the Instant Pot. 
and we will never go back to Greek gods, which is the one that we were using before. Yes, that's what we use. Mm. I just think it is almost like sour cream, but slightly Mm. less sour because it's so thick and creamy. And at first I thought that the homemade yogurt was not going to come out the same as the one in the tub because it's clear that they've added cream to it. Okay. And maybe even other things to thicken it up. Right. But the homemade yogurt is just as amazing, if not better, because I know now how long to strain it to get it to the texture that we prefer. And it is just incredible. I'm going to have to look for the Cabot yogurt now. Absolutely. And if you can't find it, maybe I can send you a frozen one (laughs) that you could use in your yogurt and then you could have your own. Love it. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. And I think that's helped us. Uh, Yeah. I've already... I already ended on a sentence. That's fine. So overall, yeah, well, I don't might just cut that whole last part, but I think I'll end it on where we ended it. Let's move on. (laughs) Keep going. Got it. Okay.